A young child sits in the middle of the living room on Christmas morning, surrounded by pieces of torn wrapping paper and an abundance of toys and clothes, pauses and asks, is that all? We celebrate it by stuffing ourselves with turkey and watching football. And an ancient Persian poet wrote in 1200 AD, I cried because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. What do these three things have in common? Stay tuned. And we'll answer that question next on today's podcast. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Good morning, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. My name is Jeff. I'm one of your co-hosts, and with me today is Brian. Good morning, Brian. How you doing? Hey, good morning, Jeff. Doing well, thank you. Yeah, today we're going to talk about, in essence, gratitude or being thankful. Um, it's an interesting uh, concept that, uh, oddly enough, you know, the term gratitude is not found in the scriptures, but the concept most definitely is. Um, in fact, if we turn to like an English dictionary for gratitude, I found one that says the quality of being thankful readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. So at the very beginning, Brian, we can see that in addition to being an emotion, it's more than just that. It's more than just being thankful, that there's also a, I don't know if you are, a motivation to actually act upon that emotion. Actions and, speak louder than words or something like that, right? <laughs> uh, they do. Uh, exactly. It's, it's one thing to say thanks. It's something else to do something in return, right? And, you know, Brian, in in our modern, you know, convenience-filled world, you know, this kind of uh, emotion honestly can be kind of challenging. I mean, you know, for the most part, we have abundant, you know, material possessions, you know, warm homes, cars, jobs, retirement plans, investments, insurance, leisure time, entertainment, and, you know, I could just go on and on, uh, that are, you know, so abundant that either A, we start to take them for granted, or B, it can lead to a sense of uh, selfishness or not being satisfied or wanting more. Now, when I said you know, this word isn't in the Bible. There, uh, In actuality, there are, you know, some translations that, that you can uh, find the term. Uh, in fact, I did just a little bit of research, and there's really two words, uh, underlying Greek words, uh, that are, are normally translated, sometimes gratitude, more often they're translated as, as thankfulness. Um, one is found in First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4 where it's interesting that uh, there you might find the word may find the word you know gratitude uh you know see if i can pronounce it eucharistia or something like that in, in the greek um and that's the term or that greek term is the one that's most common we found that i found in, in the scriptures uh occurring the most times now there's a second word that, that sometimes is translated gratitude which i found was interesting hebrews chapter 12 verse 28 uh the greek word there is Chiris, and I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. And I say that's a very interesting word there because the basic meaning is primarily grace, 
goodwill, loving kindness, favor. And it's very often used in scriptures. In fact, it's uh, one of the primary words that's used of what God feels and how God feels about humanity and what God does for humanity. Yeah, kind of interesting, also, isn't it? <laughs> we yeah. have gratitude from God, but... Uh, well, right. and it's almost like it's what God does and then in response is the gratitude that we show or should show based on all the wonderful things he's done for us. Now, you know, that word is not used too often in the scripture, but it is there and it does have that kind of a interesting, uh, you know, cause and effect of relationship, which I thought was kind of interesting. Anyway, what we're going to do today, uh, Brian and I will be looking at, you know, this concept uh, to include reasons for being thankful. Uh, some of the challenges or challenging situations where it may be difficult to be thankful, but we should still strive to be. Uh, how it impacts how we treat others, uh, how it should impact our uh, our other attitudes, and actually, in terms of application, how we can actually put this gratitude and this thankfulness into practice. So that's sort of a, a preview of what's up ahead. Brian, any other uh, introductory thoughts before uh, we start rolling? Yeah, you know, it's kind of interesting when, I don't know about you, Jeff, but for me, it seems like there's been kind of a resurgence in gratitude. Um, and I say that because there's a lot of gratitude journals you'll see if you're out at stores. There's a lot of, whether it be YouTube type videos or uh, writings that you can read that talk about the value of documenting, like formally documenting things that you're grateful for. And uh, so anyhow, I think it's a relevant subject anytime, right? Because certainly we have many reasons to be thankful, and that's definitely where we want to start. And just one passage, there are so many. And one thing I really appreciate about Jesus when he was on the earth, and certainly the apostles as they wrote various letters and epistles and so forth, was their focus on first and foremost love, which was something that Jesus commanded. Also unity, you know, being of the same mind from a doctrinal, spiritual perspective. Uh, and, and, and just to be thankful, you know, the Lord, here you think about the Lord Jesus being in heaven before he came to this earth, yet when he came to this earth as a man, he continually showed how thankful he was to the Lord when he was, in essence, the Lord in the flesh. And so if we turn over to Ephesians chapter one, kind of a lengthy reading, Jeff. I'm going to ask you to read this if you wouldn't mind, and then I'm going to go back through and just highlight a few sections of Ephesians chapter one. Uh, if we could read, please, verses three through 14. Okay, sure. Yeah, give my voice a workout this morning. <laughs> yes. Blessed, <laughs> blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made known sorry, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven 
and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of faith, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, the praise of his glory. Thank you, Jeff. I know that was there's, there's a lot there. <laughs> there is. And it's really such a wonderful section of scripture because not only does it talk about the fact that we're blessed, uh, it helps to give us kind of, you know, the right perspective as to what it means to be blessed, how we should feel about it, and what our attitude should be. So, for instance, if we go back to verse 3 of Ephesians chapter 1. It talks about, you know, blessed be the God, right, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Well, how did God bless us? Well, there's a variety of ways, right? Starting with verse 4, just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now, people who believe in Calvinism would lead you to believe that this is telling us that God chose before the foundation of the world who would be saved. But that's not what this is talking about. If you look at the context here, what's being discussed is that God has basically set up a people. He created us he, he set up a scenario with the Israelites where they were his chosen people. He would uh, tell them how they should live their life. And when we now look under the law of Christ that we live under today, we know when Jesus died on the cross, he fulfilled the law of Moses, the old law. We are now under the new covenant, the covenant of Christ. And under that covenant, God has given us clear instructions, as we'll look at in some other passages. But we do know that he has given us clear instruction on how we should live our lives. And part of that instruction includes being holy and without blame before him in love. So, you know, you think about a creator who not only gives us a wonderful world to live in, but gives us all the spiritual principles by which we should live our lives. I think all of us are really at a foundational level ourselves would say, well, thank you, because we weren't just put here and told, you know, to figure it out. Now, we do know from passages like Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 29 that God made man upright, but he sought out many schemes. And so no doubt, you know, we don't deserve what God has blessed us with because every one of us sin and fall short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23. And as a result of that, Romans 6.23 tells us the wages of that sin is death. And so here we have a God who would have every right to just do away with us, for lack of a better term, but instead chose us or chose this class of people before the foundation where he would give us the ability to have our sins forgiven. And more importantly, he would give us that instruction on how to live our lives. So just wanted to add a little extra information on verse four, because so many try to use it to prove that God's already decided who's going to be saved. Well, we know that can't be true because that would make him unjust and many other things. Anyhow, verse five goes on to talk about having been predestined. He's predestined us to the adoption as sons by Christ Jesus to himself. So we can become sons of God if we follow the conditions, what we might call the terms and conditions that he set up. He goes on in verse seven to say, in him we have redemption through his blood. Talking about Christ, of course, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So as I mentioned a little while ago, right, we have the forgiveness of sins. 
We don't deserve it, but God gave us a way to bring us back into a relationship with him, and that's through the blood of Christ. Verse 9, having made known to us the mystery of his will. So God has revealed in his word everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. We're told that in 2 Peter 1.3. Verse 11, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. So we have this future potential life in eternity in heaven with God and with all the faithful brethren, men and women who've gone on before us, the apostles, Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Well, God has given us that potential, but we have to hold up our side of the bargain, so to speak. And then verse 12, whom we who first trusted in Christ should be the praise of his glory. So we have every reason to praise God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit uh, for all that they've done for us. So I just chose this one section here, you know, to kind of set the table on why we should be thankful at a base level. It's because of all these things that we just discussed. And then the uh, one other thought here, and then I want to kind of share some feedback I received from, from a class that gave us some feedback or gave me some feedback on, on being thankful. Uh, but just one other thought along this line about being God's chosen people, if we desire to be over in first Peter chapter two, here, Peter says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Now, notice verse 9 of 1 Peter 2. He says, you, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when you think about being God's children, being God's chosen generation, a royal priesthood, so much like you had physical priests under the old law that would offer physical sacrifices, well, we all as Christians are now priests spiritually, and we offer spiritual sacrifices to God. And in addition to that, as it says here in 1 Peter 2, 9, we proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So when we think about, you know, at a high level, gratitude, well, we are thankful for, once again, salvation, for what God has done for us. And therefore, we're more than happy to share or proclaim these praises to those in the world, showing how we've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, one other thing here, and I know this is kind of a lengthy section, so I'll try to move through the rest of this, uh, Jeff. But this was, you know, a few years ago, I think it was around Thanksgiving, I taught a Bible class. It was just an adult Bible class where our normal teacher was out of town. And we, we just talked about Thanksgiving. Hey, what are some reasons that we have to be thankful? And I asked everybody to come up with four different reasons why they were thankful. And they listed a whole bunch, and I literally wrote them up on a, a whiteboard. And I just wanted to share because... Once again, we have many reasons to be thankful. I'm just going to roll through a few pretty quickly here. And certainly for our listeners, I'm sure you can think of many other reasons to be thankful. But for those of us, for instance, using uh, living in the United States, and for those of you that are living around the world, if you live in a country where you have the freedom to assemble, you have the freedom to speak, you have the freedom to worship who you would like, uh, if you have what we might call an open society, well, that's certainly a blessing, isn't it? Because I think we all realize there are parts around the world where that's not the case. Uh, where people cannot worship who they'd like to worship. They are not able to freely assemble, those kinds of things. Uh, we, we should be thankful that we've been freed from sin. 
we should be thankful for children if we have children. Uh, Psalm 127 talks about how the children are a heritage from the Lord and how the fruit of the womb is a reward. So the children is, are certainly what we should be grateful for. The church, right? Christ is the head. We are the body. As we talked about earlier, Jesus purchased our forgiveness with his blood, but he also purchased the church with his blood. Uh, we, as we also discussed, gave us guidance and wisdom. Of course, through the church, the, the wisdom of God is revealed, right? It's called the pillar and ground of the truth in 1 Timothy 3.15. Uh, the church as a whole is a collective group of Christians that are really a unified body working together to accomplish the Lord's will. So that includes edifying one another, comforting, rebuking when necessary, restoring if somebody's fallen away, praying for those who are sick, supporting and loving one another in a variety of ways. So no doubt we should be grateful for the church. Uh, our families, right? We help each other grow and get to heaven. Things like our food, uh, of course, forgiveness, as we touched on earlier, grace, uh, guidance we've talked about a few times, health, homes, our necessities, a place to worship. Uh, someone said modern medicine, which uh, <laughs> which would be hard to argue with, right, with as many advances as there's been. Of course, things like the salvation of man, even things like trials and tribulations. And some might say, well, why? Why would you ever want trials and tribulations? Well, passages like Matthew 5, 10 through 12, that talks about it makes us stronger and better able to endure and, and so forth. And, you know, the fact the Bible states, the fact is we will suffer persecution if we're, we're uh faithful to the Lord. The word of God, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, God has given us, you know, his word for what? For doctrine, it says, for reproof, for correction, when we need to be corrected, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That we might be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So that makes it pretty clear, right? That God has given us all those things that we need. Uh, someone said that we should be grateful for work. Uh, we feel good when we labor. We enjoy the fruits of our labor. Solomon talked quite a bit about this in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and chapter 5. And then, uh, you know, just some additional reasons, you know, for prayer, for the promises of God, for the care of the righteous, for heaven, for the justice of God, for the, his love for mankind, for mercy and kindness, for peace. We could go on and on. And so, Jeff, I'm going to stop there and just say that, you know, there are many reasons I'm sure we could all come up with for uh, why we should be thankful. Uh, but as you touched on very early on, when you think about gratitude, it's certainly more than just having this mental thankfulness to God, maybe even verbally in a prayer, but it's verbalizing it to others. It's taking action and doing those same sorts of things we're thankful for to others as well. Yeah, good, good uh, section. And I know you kind of just on the side talked about it being somewhat lengthy and Honestly, it can be. Um, arguably, it should be, in terms of as we, you know, look around us uh, in our lives, our families, our, our jobs, our homes, our, our country, um, medicine, etc. All kinds of uh, technological advances, you name it. I mean, we could probably spend the entire podcast just expanding on all the different kinds of things that we can be grateful for. And as I said, when we first began the podcast, because we, because there are so many, you know, we just tend to take them for granted, right? You know, the well, air we breathe. We were, you know, it's interesting. If we were to list, of course, we kind of just did list the things we should be To some degree. For. But maybe the opposite, things that we should be unthankful for, not that we should have that attitude. But I think we would all have to agree what we're 
what we should be thankful for would far outweigh, right? Any well, exactly. As I said, you know, again, the things we take for granted, you know, the air we breathe, beautiful sunrise. I mean, you know, flowers, you know, you just name it. Um, and, you know, because it's all around us, in some ways, we kind of get numb to it, you know, um, and anything that does come up that is the least bit unpleasant, you know, there's a tendency for us to fixate on it. You know, I'm silly things like I'm walking down the hall and I stub my toe and all of a sudden, you know, we're fixating, oh, my, my poor toe, you know, hop around in pain. Um, so we tend to, you know, immediately fixate on, on the maybe the few things that are, you know, not <laughs> not pleasant, etc. Yeah, it's kind of a bad day, right? If you if you have a bad day, you don't think about all the great days that you had up to that day, right? <laughs> sometimes we just have well, days exactly. where things go wrong, and we want to focus on that. Like it's that way all exactly. And and you know, sometimes we we get into this, you know, locked in this mindset of starting to fixate on something um, that that's not um, not good. Um, and you know, maybe we're having problems with our job or our spouse or you know health or I mean, you name it. And we we start to fixate on that area. Uh, and we start to lose sight of all the wonderful abundance elsewhere that's all around us. And there's another nuance here that we should probably talk about. And you kind of alluded to it a little bit with trials and tribulations. Certainly, there are a lot of things we can be thankful for. uh, And that's easy to be thankful for. You know, the birth of a new child or grandchild, you know, wedding, promotion on on the job, etc. And yet at the same time, there are some things that the scriptures talk to us about, you know, needing to be thankful regardless of what's going on or in spite of what's going on. Or sometimes there's negative things that are going on and we're commanded to be, you know, thankful and have a grateful attitude because of some negative things. And, and certainly with our minds, that's kind of a challenge, Brian. You know, it's, it's easy to be thankful for a good something good. It's hard to be thankful when things are starting to go bad. And it's even harder to be grateful when for a bad thing that's happening to you. So let's kind of you know get into that in this you know next section. You know, for starters, you know sometimes you know people will encounter what I might call financial hardships. I mean, certainly during the COVID pandemic that we're still in the middle of right now, we've certainly seen that with people being you know locked out of their jobs and jobs being shut down, et cetera. Can we still be thankful when things go bad, like financial hardships? Well, we certainly have the example of Job uh, in the book of Job, you know, in chapter uh, one, where basically from his perspective, he lost everything financially. Of course, at that time, it would have been in the form of, you know, sheep and camels and livestock for you know producing wealth uh, etc and he lost it all uh, uh according to again uh, job chapter 1 verses 20 through uh, 22 then job arose tore his robe shaved his head and fell to the ground and worshiped naked i came from my mother's womb and naked shall i return there the lord gave and the lord has taken away blessed be the name of the lord in all this, Job did not sin nor charge God with wrongdoing. 
Now, certainly there was a sense of grief and loss, and you can kind of see that in the, in the tearing of the robe and the shaving of his head. But still, being able to worship God, praise God, despite you know having been financially wiped out, I think is a, a good example for us. Brian, you know, you mentioned trials and temptations. Uh, James chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2, and then further on, verse 12. And this is a big, huge challenge for us. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's a hard command. <laughs> uh, I tell you, Brian, you'll count it all joy when you found it, fall into various trials and temptations. That's not our natural reaction. No, no, we, we tend to do the opposite, actually. Oh, yeah. well, exactly. Um, and, and even more so, uh, there's a, a fair number of scriptures that talk about needing this attitude even when we're being actively persecuted. And that's hard. Uh, Psalms uh, chapter 34. Uh, and I'll, let me just kind of read, read the quote here at the very beginning of uh, verse 1. A psalm of David when he pretended madness before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. And of course, this is while he was on run from King Saul, who was trying to kill him and had tried to kill him several times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This amazing kind of attitude, despite everything that was going on around him. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, which I think you mentioned, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And likewise, First uh, Peter chapter 4, beginning roughly around verse 13. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. So what we see you know, here, both on the physical side or the financial side, on the spiritual side as well, you know, when times really honestly and truly get tough, get hard, get distasteful, etc., can we still have a sense of gratitude? Can we still have a sense of thankfulness? Well, the scriptures say, yes, we can. Well, and maybe I should say not only we can, but in many ways, we must, we must maintain that kind of a positive, grateful, thankful attitude. And of course, through, you know, encouragement of the scriptures and examples that we have and through prayer and fellow Christians, et cetera, you know, we, we can have that gratitude even when things are going bad. Right? Any uh, thoughts on this? Yeah, I really appreciate that last point you made. It is about perspective, isn't it? And I like how you said we must we must be able to see things that happen in our lives that are bad as time and chance, right? It just randomly happens to all, you know, Sometimes. or mm -hmm. yeah, it, persecution might be on purpose, right? But if it makes us better able to endure, if it makes us stronger spiritually, 
then we must, right? Like you said, be able to overcome these challenges. Well, and, and part of that is if we don't, then we can easily be pulled down, dragged down uh, emotionally yeah. uh, and start getting, down, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a downward spiral into any number of negative emotions like anger or depression or potentially even, you know, suicide or, you know, giving up our faith or, or any number of, you know, very, very negative uh, responses that we need to stay away from. Yeah, and I think once, you know, this next section, we, we're going to be talking about the positive mental fruit of gratitude. And when we are able to do what you were just talking about and overcome these difficulties and look at things from the right perspective, it is so powerful. It's amazing to me, uh, you know, Jeff, you were talking earlier about COVID, you know, we're in this pandemic still, we've been in it for a year plus, I guess now. And all of us, I think, would have to say, I don't know of one person who hasn't said that they weren't affected in some way. Right. It wasn't hard on them in some way. It certainly has been. I do think also in a way it's been a test for us to see where our own weaknesses are. <laughs> I don't know about you, but you know, I've looked at myself over the last year and said, yeah, there's a couple areas I could have handled this better than I did. You know, uh, and, and I guess that's really life in general, isn't it? But you know, right. when Prover Proverbs 23 has this real basic 2374, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And I think most of us would just know that, right? We can just kind of, it's just something we get early on in life that, you know, and, and of course, Jesus talked about how from the heart, a lot of bad things can happen. And a lot of good things can happen as well. And so, you know, our mental well-being is so central to our mental stability, as we were just talking about. And if we do have the proper mindset, it can bear much fruit in a lot of different areas. So I just want to take a look at a couple of those. One is it gives us purpose and direction in our lives. We've talked in previous podcasts about how one central question all of us ask at some point in our life is, why am I here? What's my purpose? Well, God makes that very clear for passages like Ephesians 2.10, where he talks about how we have been created to do good works. And these were works that God prepared before time that we might walk in them, that we might actually do those good works. Uh, we read earlier uh, in First Peter about how we proclaim the Lord to the world and what he has done for us. Uh, we live according to this clear instruction that God has given us and we reap the benefits of it. We reap what we sow. So if we are sowing good things, these proper spiritual qualities, the fruit of the spirit, as the Bible says, then we will benefit from that. In what way? Well, we'll be acting and you know, mentally be stable if we're following God's prescription for our mental health, if you will. And so one of the, and one of those areas is that we treat others as God wants us to treat them. Uh, and over in Romans chapter 12, I, I want to take a look at this section of scripture. And I also want to recommend it to our listeners because it's just a really good group of passages that talks about how we should treat others. And when we do, in fact, have gratitude and we have this mindset, uh, you know, we were created in God's image and we're reflecting that image then this is how we should be treating others. So Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse nine, it says, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. So right out of the gate, we can see here should be our mind. Verse 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. So when you think about, you know, being kindly affectionate, uh, you're showing the right type of love towards your brethren. When it talks about giving preference to them, you're putting them ahead of you, right? 
Uh, verse 11, not lagging in diligence. In other words, doing what you should be doing, not making excuses, not putting it off until tomorrow. You're fervent in spirit. You're serving the Lord. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. So notice how this is a combination of how we should be living, how we should be thinking, and how, as a result, we would be treating other people. Uh, it goes on in verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints. So once again, putting others ahead of yourself, recognizing that there is a need, answering that need, responding to that need. He says, verse 13, given to hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So we're not going to allow others to bring us down into this, this uh, negative mindset. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So we're excited for our brethren when something good happens in their life. Or opposite, you know, when something terrible happens, we weep with them. Uh, verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. And I would argue, Jeff, that this is probably one of the key principles for how to have an effective relationship with others. And that's to have the same mind, right? If we are all following the same spiritual standard, then that definitely should make a difference. And as it says at the end of verse 16, you know, we are not the type that would set our mind on high things. In other words, be proud, uh, but we would associate with the humble. We are not wise in our own opinion. Uh, verse 17, we repay no one evil for evil. And in fact, verse 18, we live peaceably with all men. That's always our goal. If there's a difference of opinion or a, you know, just a disagreement, our goal is to work it out, not to repay somebody that may have wronged us, but to work to live peaceably. Why? Well, verse 19, because vengeance is mine, the Lord says, I will repay. It's his job to judge and punish or reward people for how they've lived their lives. And then notice in verse 20, it talks about, once again, how do you treat your enemies? Well, you feed him, you give him a drink. And by in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. In other words, as it kind of says in verse 21, you overcome evil with good. You do your best to overcome that evil with good. And so that's the mindset of a Christian. And there are many passages, as I mentioned, that talk about it. What I do like about Romans 12 and just a little short section there, it kind of really lays it out. This is what how we should be uh, according to God. And we talked earlier about you know loving our enemies. That's another thing that someone who has the right level of gratitude, has the right mental asset, mindset, I should say, uh, then they are going to have this attitude. They're going to love their enemies. In fact, Jesus says in verse 43 of Matthew 5, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your enemy, or excuse me, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That was the mentality of the Jews. Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Why? Verse 45, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good and sends the rain on the just and the unjust. So if we truly want to be like our Father, then much like He does, we're going to bless everyone. We're going to pray for those who are despiteful or hateful, and we're going to pray that they change, right? That they come to the knowledge of the truth. And we certainly see examples of that. I mean, you were talking about Saul earlier, Jeff, right? Here's a guy that literally put Christians to death. Doesn't get much worse than that, right? But yet... Paul, or Saul at the time, was able to change into, once the truth was revealed to him, he immediately turned to the Lord 
and started doing what God wanted him to do and had a proper understanding of how we were no longer under the old law. And so he's just a wonderful example on how somebody can be turned around if they have a good and honest heart and they have the right uh, mindset. The final couple things we want to look at here, one is that we are able to endure persecution. You touched on this earlier, Jeff. We won't spend a lot of time on it. But Paul really had the right mindset uh, here in 2 Corinthians 4, Jeff. If I could just get you to read verses 8 through 10 and then 15 through 18. Let's see what Paul's attitude was towards these difficulties that he was facing. Okay. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus, and that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. And down to verse 15, for all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. Pretty impactful section of scripture there, isn't it? Definitely considering the various you know, trials and persecutions and tribulations that he was suffering. And yet he called it light affliction, right? <laughs> Verse 7. Yes, and but for a moment. <laughs> yes. And I think Paul's such a wonderful example. I mean, you know, verse 8, he, you know, hard pressed. Uh, some translations say afflicted there, uh, crushed, uh, or not crushed in this case, persecuted, struck down. What was his attitude? Oh, we're not crushed. We're not in despair. We're, we're not forsaken, and we're certainly not destroyed. Uh, he had the right attitude, didn't he? And notice he says that uh, you know they do not lose heart, verse 16, even though he knows their outward man is perishing, and in some cases they tried to physically kill him and the other apostles. Yet he understood his inward man was being renewed day by day. And then as we touched on, for our light affliction, Paul says, which is but for a moment. So in other words, he understood this isn't going to be forever. He says it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen, of course, these things that we do physically see on this earth are temporary, but the things which are seen are not eternal. So if we truly are focused on being pleasing to God, being able to spend eternal life with him in heaven, then we look at these difficulties and persecutions and unfairness and all these other things that we might go through. And as you touched on, Jeff, we have the right mindset, right? We think about it in the proper way. And as a result, we learn to live for the Lord and we learn to be content with all situations in our life. You know, Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, after he became a Christian, he said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. That was his attitude. Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in or I am to be content. He goes on and say in verse 12, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned to both be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God will never leave us or forsake us. So just a wonderful 
thought from Paul here with the you know Holy Spirit through Paul teaching us basically that if we can learn or when we learn to be content based on what we learn from God's word, it's very powerful because we no longer crave and covet or you know we no longer sulk, if you will, when something wrong happens wrong in our life. And, and don't get me wrong, we're human beings. You know, we don't flip a switch and all of a sudden, you know, something terrible happens and we have no remorse or care or whatever. We're not saying that. We're just saying we see the big picture. We understand it's a temporary setback, as we might say, or we understand that it won't be this way forever. And instead, we choose to focus on how our lives are so much more rich and full and rewarding and pleasing to God when we do his will to the point where when these bad things do happen, they're just sort of what we might call a bump in the road. Right. And I get Jeff, right. It's easier said than done, but certainly. God's <laughs> really? Well, and I like the way you kind of wrapped up the section because, you know, as you were talking about, you know, all the positive things uh, that, you know, can, that can result, you know, from gratitude, uh, as you said, a sense of purpose, a uh, way we will turn around and, and treat others that we can endure persecution, et cetera. But then you wrapped it up with the contrast, uh, which was one of the points that I wanted to make is that if we don't have this foundational sense of gratitude, yeah, not only can we start taking things and people for granted, but we can also start getting selfish or greedy or grasping for you know, I want more, I want more, never happy, never satisfied, et cetera, um, can lead to, you know, things like, you know, anger, like, you know, I'm entitled and how come I'm not getting all kinds of, you know, those sorts of uh, negative things. In addition to all of the potential sadness, depression, woe is me, things are so bad, et cetera. So any number of negative pitfalls when we don't have a sense of gratitude to go along with, you know, the, the positive things that we can have, you know, when we do have, you know, that proper sense of gra gratitude. So it's, it's like, it's a two-way street, so to speak, with Definitely, both positive yeah. and negative. Now, you know, we've kind of been making a point as we've been going along about, you know, gratitude is, and thankfulness is more than just an emotion that it does, should manifest itself in action, which is kind of the next section that we'll kind of talk about, uh, Brian, uh, actually putting this gratitude, so to speak, into practice or, or manifesting itself beyond just an emotional state and how we feel into, you know, actual action. For example, uh, a lot of verses in the New Testament talk about prayer and prayer flowing out of this sense of, you know, gratitude. For instance, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 16, you know, giving of thanks. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Uh, likewise, Ephesians chapter five of verse four, where it talks about our, our speech and there must be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor vulgar joking, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Uh, Colossians chapter four, verse two, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of, there's our word again, thanksgiving. And finally, with respect to prayer of 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, first of all, then I urge that requests, prayers, intercessions, and, there's our word again, thanksgiving, be made on behalf of all people, 
for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So again, just over and over again, our gratitude that we should have toward God for all that he's blessed us with physically, spiritually, etc., should naturally come forth, if you will, uh, in an outpouring of talking to God, you know, via prayer with, you know, giving of thanks, thanksgiving, not being anxious, all those sorts of good things. Secondly, uh, this gratitude should come forth, as we see in several scriptures, in the form, believe it or not, of singing. Psalms 95 verse 2, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Uh, Psalms chapter 100 verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Uh, Brian, if you would, why don't you go ahead and read uh, Colossians chapter 3 from the New Testament, uh, chapter 3 verses 15 through 17. Okay, here it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So we see here, you know, sandwiched between, you know, verse 15, where it talks about being thankful and verse, you know, 17, where it talks about, you know, giving thanks to God, the father, we see admonishing one another, you know, typically in, you know, corporate or public worship, uh, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace. And that was one of the words we originally talked about at the top of the podcast, uh, with grace or with thanksgiving or with gratitude in your hearts to the Lord. So you're singing to one another, encouraging one another. You're also singing to God with, you know, grace and gratitude and thankfulness. Uh, similar passage over in Ephesians chapter five, verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, within the same context, uh, which is one reason why, you know, one of the acts of worship that we see within the New Testament is congregational singing. Again, singing one to another, not just, you know, spiritual songs, but also, again, flowing out of a sense of gratitude and thankfulness. Third thing, which is somewhat general, uh, and that's doing good. Um, of Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 15, uh, you will notice kind of bridges between, you know, singing and praying and doing good. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So again, out of this sense that God has been so gracious to us, that we are you know, grateful uh, and are thankful to everything he has done, then a natural reaction should be an outpouring of not only gratitude, but wanting to do good, wanting to be obedient, wanting to uh, reflect that uh, sense of gratitude in our daily conduct. Uh, number four. Being forgiving. 
for having been forgiven ourselves. An interesting passage uh, over in Matthew chapter uh, 18, uh, beginning roughly around verse 21. Peter has this interesting question for Jesus. And he asks, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, he asks. Uh, and of course, Jesus goes on within the passage to say that you know we should always have a forgiving attitude toward others because of what God has done to forgive us. And of course, Jesus gives you know the parable of a, a master who had a, a servant that he brought forward who evidently had uh, a, a exceedingly large debt to the master, you know, 10,000 talents. I don't know what the, the monetary equivalent that is, but a debt that could not be paid, let's just say, uh, even if he spent his whole life. Uh, and of course, the the person who owed the debt, you know, begs for forgiveness. Uh, the passage then goes on to say, then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. Of course, the parallel is with God forgiving us of our sins. Now watch it. But that servant, the forgiven one, went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Not that much by comparison. Uh, you know, day's wage is a denarii. So, you know, a hundred days wages. Um, laid his hands on him, took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So this fellow servant, like this original servant had done, fell down at his feet, begged him saying, have patience with me. I will repay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave all of that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my, and here's the point, so my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. And again, here we have, you know, the abundance of the forgiveness of sins that we have enjoyed through God's grace and our faith and you know, obedience and baptism and repentance, etc. And for us to turn around and not be willing to forgive someone else when they sin against us and repent of that, you know, again, it is, is not a, uh, it's not proper alignment with the gratitude that we should have, right? You know, we've been forgiven. And from that sense of gratitude, we should be willing to forgive others when they repent. Uh, another section or another uh, one final thought here, then I'll turn it back over to you, Brian, uh, that should be an outflowing of our gratitude should be a sense of being generous, um, sharing, uh, you know, with fellow Christians, for instance, Galatians chapter six, verse six, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Second uh, Corinthians chapter nine, verses 11 and 12, you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. And of course, Paul is referring to the, uh, the Gentiles who had gathered together, you know, some of their money to support the needy brethren over in uh, Judea. For the ministry of this service is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Uh, not only be willing to share what we do have, and of course, you know, monetary or financially with, with fellow Christians, uh, but also kind of in general, uh, first 
Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. Let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, and uh, further, uh, you know, roughly within that same uh, context. First Timothy chapter 6. Command those that are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And then the passage I just read, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. That they may lay hold on eternal life. And again, coming back to the sense of gratitude, you know, if, if I don't have a sense of gratitude or don't have a sense of thankfulness and that turns into greed, well, I'm going to want to grasp and hoard and, you know, work excessive overtime, et cetera. And have this me first kind of selfish attitude when in reality again flowing out of a sense of gratitude you know when we do have stuff especially if we have an abundance of you know material possessions wealth etc you know we should be willing to you know share and not you know grasp onto it brian any additional thoughts yeah i really liked how this entire section you focused on actions and as you kind of said early on you know, gratitude is more than just saying thank you. No doubt that has its place. Uh, but all these things that you talked about, these are these are words or works of action, right? Singing and, you know, doing good, physically doing good and, and so forth. And no doubt being generous. I mean, we've all been so richly blessed. Uh, why wouldn't we want to try and help others? And we are truly just reflecting God in our lives when we do so. So uh, anyhow, appreciate all those good thoughts. Mm -hmm. So we come to that part of the podcast which we often like to do, and that is offer up to our listeners some of the questions that have been submitted to the website over time that are uh, relevant or pertinent to the subject at hand, in this case, gratitude. So, Brian, uh, I guess you get to answer the first one that was submitted by McAllister, and they write, is it a good interpretation of Scripture to, quote, in all things give thanks, end quote? And he goes on to say, my former spouse insists this is necessary in the case of a son threatening suicide. He is referring to the Prison to Praise book by M. Carruthers. Uh, I say I can thank God for many things, but not this. And I don't believe this is what is intended by this verse. I would appreciate your view uh, in terms of being thankful for all things, including for a son committing suicide. Or, I'm sorry, not committing suicide, threatening suicide. Brian, what would you say? Yeah, that's, you know, it just rips your heart out, you know, to think about a child that, that wants to commit suicide. And I certainly my heart goes out to this family. And, you know, when you look at scripture, one thing that we've emphasized throughout this series or this, uh, all of our podcasts really is, you know, making sure that when you study a passage, that you understand the context and you understand what was being said. And in this case, uh, the reference to, you know, in all things give thanks, I believe is from Ephesians chapter five uh, and verses 15 through 21 is really the section of scripture. And if you read through that section here, you'll see that Paul is encouraging the brethren in Ephesus to walk not as fools, but as wise, according to verse 15. He also encourages them in verse 17 to understand what the will of the Lord is. And then in verse 20, he tells them to give thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
And in verse 21, he says to submit to one another uh, in the fear of God. So in these passages, Paul's talking about their spiritual walk with the Lord and how important it was to understand his will. Uh, and it would certainly not be God's will that some would take their own life as that's really self-murder, you know, and is a sin. And so when he says that they were to be thankful to God for all things, he's referring to all good things like the blessings, the truth, all the things that he's provided for mankind. So it would not be appropriate to be thankful to God for someone threatening suicide, you know, as an act like that is evil. And as 1 John 3 verse 8 tells us, all evil is from the devil and he who commits evil is from the devil. So, you know, it's just one of these things where, you know, hopefully number first and foremost, you know, someone can convince him that God loves him, has provided salvation, you know, through Christ. Uh, to him. Uh, maybe you read passages like John 3.16 and Acts chapter 2.38 and so forth, just to talk about how regardless of the reason that he's in prison, his sins can be forgiven, and that his life has tremendous value to the Lord. And also, hopefully, he can at some point see how his life can be of value to others. I, you know, I can only imagine somebody in prison thinking, well, what can I really offer others? I'm in this place, you know, but there have been many examples over the years where people have come out and dedicated their life to helping others not get into prison, right? And to stay out of prison and so on and so forth. But anyhow, just to get back to the original question, uh, don't, don't think for a minute that it would be okay to give thanks for somebody that wants to commit suicide. There's just not. We don't give thanks for evil things. And I guess, Jeff, that's the easiest way to probably answer this question. Right. Well, and I think there, as you alluded to, there's the importance of context first, first and foremost. Uh, also, the sense of you know words like all or never, but especially all. You know, sometimes they're meant to be absolute. You know, absolutely every all. <laughs> uh, in other cases, it's supposed to be uh, relative. And again, it, again, comes back to the context. Uh, and proper understanding, you know, applying the uh, the words. So you want to move on to the next one, which I think is mine? Yeah, this question comes from Stephen, and he asks, what do they mean by repetitive prayer? For example, I thank the Lord every day, and I almost always say the same thing for what I'm thankful for. I thank him for my health. I thank him for the next breath that I take and, and will take. I can't remember where, but I did read something that God frowned upon people that prayed the same thing every day. I read articles on how uh, how should you pray, but every time I get to where I'm starting to pray to God, I forget what I should be saying to him, and it always comes back to praying what I've been saying every day to him. How should I fix this, or should I fix it? <laughs> so, number one, Jeff, I'd have to say I think we can all relate to this, right, as far as, like, it's easy to fall into this repetition uh, pattern. Exactly. And I think the, the verse that he might have been thinking of is over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, which says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And as we mentioned earlier, you know, certainly expressing our thankfulness to God is a critical, a crucial part of prayer. Um, and as this person has, and you know, you mentioned, and you know, I, I fall into the same you know, pitfall. It's kind of a, a challenge, you feel, to maintain that sense of gratitude and not slip into a routine or slip into a rut of just unthinking 
repetition of thanking God for the day and for the food, etc. And maybe one of the most practical things that we can do, which you kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast, make a list. I mean, just, you know, in, in some quiet time, thoughtful reflection, just sit down and start thinking about all the things in your life that come from, you know, God ultimately is the creator uh, and just start making a list, which as you alluded to, we could, we could, you know, spend the entire podcast just, you know, making a list of, you know, tens if not hundreds of things and then potentially, you know, use that thought process to, uh, you know, weave those things, you know, into your prayer uh, and not, again, fall into a habit or fall into a rut or just, you know, saying the same things uh, over and, and over again. Brian, any other thoughts on that? Yeah, it's certainly one that we all want to guard against. And uh, as you just alluded to, we have so much to be thankful for. I think it is just a, a matter of making some effort. I know one thing that I like to do, you know, we talk about sometimes that uh, when we're meeting and worshiping together, maybe it's announced that somebody's sick or, or whatever. You know, I like to think back about before I even enter into a prayer, okay, what, what who should I be praying for? And and use that as time to say, well, what should I be praying for? We can all do this differently. There's no right formula, right or wrong per right. se. Uh, but, but yeah, certainly one we want to think about. Okay. So uh, the next question comes from Lita. And she, uh, it's, it's more of a request. Please remind me that life is worth living for even when we have a problem that sometimes we don't understand. Yeah, you know, whenever I hear that life is not worth living, I think of suicide as we were just talking right. about. I was wondering about that. Yeah, and I don't know if that's what she meant or if she just gets really down. You know, I would guess all of us go through, we certainly all go through down periods. I'm not so sure we all think about suicide, and I'm not suggesting Lita <laughs> is, but I guess what I mean is that no doubt things can get bad enough that, yeah, we see it leads to suicide for some folks. And so we do want to guard against that. And so, you know, one of the things that we want to think about, or once again, we talk about perspective is, you know, to understand that life is worth living because through our faith and obedience, we have the hope of heaven. And all the descriptions Jesus gave of heaven, you know, the the streets of pearl and, and gold and all the different things that he tried to, or ways, I guess I should say, that he just tried to describe heaven to us because we can't really relate to it. According to him, we can't fathom what heaven will be like. Well, that in and of itself makes life worth living, the chance and the hope of heaven. Uh, but we also, even while we're here on this earth, you know, we have the ability each day to let our light shine before men and affect them in a positive way, as we've just been talking about. And uh, as we also mentioned, you know, God created us to do good works, Ephesians 2.10. And it's through these good works that God is glorified in heaven, according to Matthew 5 and verse 16. So it's important to realize that God knows and cares about each one of us and has given us the ability to pray to him when something is happening that we do not understand. Uh, notice that we're told in Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So the first thing I'd say to Lita is, you know, go to God in prayer. If you're a Christian, go to God in prayer and, and pray to him. If you're not a Christian, well, you really need to follow God's plan of salvation because without hope, in other words, if you haven't been baptized for the remission of your sins, you don't have that hope of heaven. Um, but certainly if you do, God has given us this wonderful avenue of prayer where we can pour out our hearts to him 
and he will give us that peace, as it mentions here in Philippians 4, that surpasses uh, all understanding. And if we continue reading on there in Philippians chapter 2, we see in verse 8 that there are some things that we should meditate on to help keep our mind focused and at ease. So, for instance, in verse 8, we're, say, we're told, you know, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble and just and pure and lovely and of good report, it says, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate. In other words, think intensely on these things. And so keeping our mind focused on these godly qualities and going to him in prayer when we are feeling anxious will definitely give us comfort. It'll give us that peace. Uh, something else we talked about, um, we've hinted at, you know, as Christians, we have many reasons to rejoice. And so it's important also to remind ourselves of these things for our own mental well-being. So, for instance, we talked about how we should rejoice in the fact that God cares for us. He watches over us. He hears our prayers, 1 Peter 3.12. Uh, we should rejoice that he's given us direction in our life, as we talked about earlier, through the Bible. Teaches us how to live a productive life in his service, as we looked at in 2 Timothy 3. Uh, we can rejoice that he has provided salvation, of course, through the blood of Jesus. If we're baptized, as we touched on earlier, Acts 2.38. Uh, if we remain faithful to his word through our lives, he's promised us a home in heaven, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5, where it talks about this inheritance is guaranteed. So, I mean, you know, once again, we have many reasons to rejoice. And as we see in Philippians 4, 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always again, uh, I will say rejoice. And so, you know, I hope Lita will keep, and everyone really will keep these truths from God's word of perspective and turn to God in prayer. Uh, through Christ when you know, you're feeling down. And regardless of what happens in life, we should certainly have the attitude of Paul where you know we're looking for the time when we can join God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, and really all the faithful saints in heaven someday. And so Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And then as we read earlier, right, our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So that's really what we want to keep in mind. Regardless of what's happening in this life, whether we consider it light affliction or not, let's look at the big picture and understand that when we're righteous, when we're faithful, there's a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory that's waiting for us and far outweighs any difficulty that we might be going through in this life. Anyhow, any thoughts from you on that, Jeff? Um, actually, no, <laughs> I think you covered it, uh, real well. <laughs> that was like going through everything. Yeah. 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 Okay. Which takes us, I think, to the last question for today's podcast, which I think you have for me. Yeah. And it's from an anonymous person. And they ask a close friend of mine was brutally murdered. I felt as if I myself was shot. I was devastated as a Christian. Yes. I know the Bible tells us to rejoice in the Lord and I know God is in control of everything. And I'm thankful that he is. But when my friend, my dear friend is murdered, is it wrong to grieve? Is it wrong to seek help in times like this? Well, and as we referred to earlier, Brian, you know, there are some situations that we encounter that indeed are very traumatic, uh, upsetting, sorrowful, etc. And times when, you know, gratitude might be the last thought, <laughs> right, uh, in our minds. And certainly, you know, sorrow and grieving over the loss of a loved one is one of those times. Um, and it is indeed a natural emotional 
reaction. I mean, you know, we're made in the image of God. A lot, I think, also relates to our emotional makeup and our ability to express various emotions. And, you know, sorrow and grief are just naturally part of that. In fact, earlier when we were talking about uh, Job and the uh, financial devastation that uh, he had experienced in chapter one of Job, well, it wasn't just that. I mean, he lost all, all of his children simultaneously the same day. I mean, that is just incomprehensibly sorrowful. Uh, and yet, as we said earlier, uh, what did he do? Well, he arose, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell to the ground and worshiped, and then, of course, went on to praise God. And as I, I said before, you know, the tearing of the robe, the shaving of his head is a natural, uh, at least amongst the people of the time, expression of uh, intense, deep you know, grief uh, and sorrow. In fact, even Jesus himself, in John chapter 11, verse 35, you know, wept, uh, you know, at the death of his friend Lazarus. And yet, even in the midst and the depths of that kind of sorrow, can there be things that we can still be thankful for? Well, I think so. For instance, you know, if the person you know, was a faithful Christian, then we can certainly be comforted from that. In fact, uh, Paul was telling the uh, Thessalonians, uh, that same thing. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, where Paul tells them, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and arose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So, we, you know, we certainly have that as a source of comfort. But, you know, a person and the listeners may ask, well, what if the person is not a faithful Christian? Are there still things where we can see, where we can still count our blessings, even in the painful, sorrowful loss of a loved one? Perhaps uh, a couple thoughts. Um, certainly those kind of events are a reminder of our own mortality, um, that, you know, this life is short and that we can, should, you know, focus on, you know, eternal, you know, spiritual things. So there is that kind of thing that we can be perhaps a little, you know, thankful for. You know, maybe it's an opportunity, you know, as is typical with, uh, you know, funeral services, for instance, or memorial services, to, you know, meet with others, to, you know, be a source of um, uh, comfort, uh, and to receive encouragement and, and, and consolation from others, and in turn, to give it to others. There, There's that potential opportunity. In some cases, it may be real simple things, like the person you know had chosen previously to be an organ donor, for instance. And even though their death is exceedingly sorrowful or tragic or you know sudden, unexpected, et cetera, you know there may be you know some glimmer of things we can be uh, thankful for. And as I said, it's it's times like this that really put ourselves to test and put our emotions to the test. And can we still remain? you know, gratitude, even though legitimately, you know, weighed down with sorrow for a period. Brian, any uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's a, one of the more stringent tests that we will go through in life when we suffer the death, especially something like murder like this. I can't imagine mm -hmm. how difficult that is. But to your point, you know, it is still possible with the right mind to get through these things. And certainly with prayer and the help of other brethren, we can get through just about anything. So, 
Good points. And Brian, I think that pretty much takes us to the end of today's uh, podcast. Uh, any closing thoughts before we uh, refer folks back to the website for additional information? You know, I was talking early on about the kind of being a resurgence, I think, in people wanting to be more grateful, which I think is a great thing. And I just want to mention that, you know, we were talking earlier about gratitude journals and, you know, there are some people that feel like it the best way to start their day is to get up and write a few reasons why they are thankful before they start their day. They say it puts them in the right mindset. And I completely think that's wonderful. I think that's a, a great idea. I would also encourage everyone, as you really emphasize, Jeff, and I appreciate, is taking action. You know, we yes, we should say thanks and do those sorts of things verbally, but look at what you can do physically for others and show how you can manifest that gratitude in physical ways. Not that you're looking for honor, but put your you know money where your mouth is or actions speak louder words or whatever you want to say. Uh, it does matter and people will notice the difference uh, if you physically do things. So anyhow. Yeah, good point. Well, as you said, convert that uh, emotion into uh, actual activity. And conversely, I can say when things aren't going so well, same thing, <laughs> right? You know, exactly. uh, and instead of falling into the, the pitfall of sorrow or anger or depression or even thoughts of suicide, you know, turn that around again, focusing on, as we say, count your blessings and turning it into action and getting your, your mind off of yourself and more outward facing and helping others. Uh, and certainly we would encourage our listeners as, as we always like to do for uh, further study and further information. We uh, definitely encourage them to come to the website, uh, biblequestions.org. If you look under the topics menu item, we've got a fair number of articles on subjects related to gratitude, including G for grace, uh, in terms of you know what God has done for us, P for prayer. Uh, we mentioned uh, earlier about singing, so we have articles under M for music, uh, O for obedience, which should be one of the natural outflowing things that uh, we should uh, evidence, you know, as part of our gratitude to God for having been uh, forgiven, uh, L for love, and many others that, again, we would encourage our listeners to uh, go to the website, biblequestions.org, to continue their study on subjects like gratitude. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered, and you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.